Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ah, sweet succulent Friday upon us once again. It's week in review time here on Fantasy NBA Today. Your sports ethos presentation. It belongs to you. We are, according to Basketball Monsters' uh, box score page at the very least, we're 43% of the way through the NBA season, friends and confidants. We are awfully close to the halfway mark. I have to admit, I didn't really feel it. We're kind of, and when you don't feel it, you, you know you're kind of in the dog days. But I guess it makes sense, you know? Teams have played about 35, 36 ball games. Some of them, the Sixers, I think, are only at 33. By the way, great opportunity to get your hands on some Sixers because they've got a crap ton of games left. <laughs> I think most of the teams are at 34, 35, or 36. There's only a couple that are super low. Pistons are at 37. Abandon ship, all ye who have Pistons. Kings are at 33 also. It's a weird little... Grizzlies, throw another team in there. It's a weird little side note. If you want to try to maximize your head-to-head stuff... Not that it, players are actually going to play every game the rest of the way, but there are teams where you trade guys away and you could just go for like equal value. Uh, people not really won't maybe know what you're doing, but you might be picking up like four games over the next, I don't know, six or seven weeks or something like that, depending on how it shakes out. But that's not the point of today's show. I do want to say hi. Hello, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know that already. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on the Twitters. I'm very appreciative of how many of you have actually bothered to follow over there because we do a lot of stuff on social media and we'll continue to do so. But it's Friday, which means we got a whole week in review to break down. We got ads. We got drops. We got holds. We got watch list guys. We got some buys. We got some sells. And we will save the injury streams for later. We also have a weekend to preview here on the podcast. And it does seem like most of you do prefer that I give the rapid fire like night in in preview or weekend in preview and I'll try to do that on more podcasts coming up some of the time it's just sort of you know if we're if we're 45 50 minutes deep on a Monday show reviewing the weekend and multiple tangential whatever you want to call them then maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense but perhaps if we could just cram it into two to three minutes at the end of the show every day, just to kind of give you guys a quick, here's what I'm looking for, even if a whole bunch of injury news is still yet to come, at least it gives kind of a starting point. But let's begin with the ads, because look, that's everybody's favorite thing anyway. And the nice thing about doing these on the podcast, as opposed to just on social media, is that we can go into a little bit of detail on it, because it does require, I think... I don't know. I have six names in the ads uh, bucket for this week. I tried to pare it down a little bit. Uh, so we only have like uh, 20 something players to talk about on today's show. But specifically in the ads and the drops, I guess, maybe not as much the drops, most are the ads. There's, there's a reasoning and an explanation necessary to. To kind of cover this idea of like, is this a is it a rest of season ad? The injury streams, you guys know. We put those on a different list altogether. That's done exclusively on social media because it is so 
reliant on game time decision injury stuff that it just makes no sense to do that in a morning podcast when it could completely change within you know 20 minutes of when the show comes out. But let's get the first name on the board. The first name on the board is Aaron Neesmith. And you guys know, those who have been listening to this podcast for the last couple of weeks, or forever, it doesn't even really matter. But if you have been listening over the last couple of weeks, you know that that's a guy, Neesmith, is a guy that we've been watching very closely to try to figure out what the hell he actually is going to be. Now, to that end, you could probably still leave him on your watch list. I don't know that there's a a big difference between calling him an ad and calling him a watch list guy right now. He's coming off a 22-point performance on Thursday in a Pacers uh, really nice win over the the Cavaliers, nice little comeback win. He also had a block in that ballgame. But what we don't really know about this iteration of Neesmith on a Pacers team that's where the, the pace is out of control is, number one, is he truly the full-time starter? It looks like it. Uh, he was in foul trouble in the previous ballgame, so only had 19 minutes in that one. He was coming back from injury in the previous ballgame. He was injured in the game before that. And then prior to that, he had 29, 31, 28 minutes in, in three games in a row. And he's basically averaging around 27-ish or so since slotting into the starting lineup for the Pacers. But what we don't know is what does that actually mean for his fantasy value? Because he had a 10-rebound game in there, and then he had a 4-rebound game in there. And he had a 3-assist game in there, and then he had a 0. He had a 2-steals game, and then he had like 3 zeros in a row. And a couple of 1s in the blocks column. Historically, Smith has not had a good enough fantasy profile to warrant a an ad and a start full-time. Historically. But we didn't we don't really know that much about him. And he's in a situation now where he's probably gonna get more touches than he got in Boston. His team plays at a higher pace than his team in Boston did. And so maybe there's some slight room for growth. Have I personally added him to many of my teams? The answer is no. I haven't. I don't think that a lot of people are jumping on him. I think he got dropped in a bunch of spots specifically because of that uh foul trouble game. He'll get re-added. This is a dude that's gonna be on and off of waivers pretty much constantly unless he starts to post you know 15 and 5 14 and 7 with a, a steal and a couple of three points unless you start to see that every single ball game he's probably going to remain fairly available in your fantasy league so maybe you could just put him on the watch list i don't know perhaps if you're in a slightly more competitive league maybe it's someone you'd want to get out in front of that's why i put him in the ads department just because i thought I, I wanted to talk about him a little bit here at the outset Ivica Zubats is the next name on the board, and I know that a lot of you, as I'm saying it, are going to be like, Dan, he's not a freaking free agent, so leave it alone. But you know what? He got dropped in a whole bunch of spots because he was terrible for about six weeks in a row. And now all of a sudden, he's been good for four games in a row. Not great, but at least the rebounding is back. The blocks are never going to be what they were to start the year. That was insane. He was at like almost three blocks per ball game. He's more of a one-and-change blocks big man but it does seem like and i i don't fully know why uh i know he missed a couple of ball games in there his minutes were down leading into that maybe it's all injury related if that's the case then he becomes almost kind of a sneaky guy to have picked up because it really wasn't super clear from the clippers that that's what was going on 
So perhaps this is one we didn't need to really throw on there because he probably is rostered in your league, but at least give a glance to see if maybe somebody kicked him to the curb. And by the end of this week, unfortunately, it's almost definitely too late to get him back because he started this warm run over last weekend, basically. Jeremy Sohan is the next one on the list, and he's a guy I think we we can pretty safely call a one you want to get out in front of. And I know that's not the most... That doesn't roll off the tongue quite the way that uh, that other fantasy names or fantasy words might. But it's I think it's a fairly accurate assessment because he's another guy where we don't really know his exact fantasy profile. The assists, the steals, and the blocks have been a little bit better lately than they were earlier in the season when he was still getting minutes. It wasn't like there was a complete lack of minutes played for Sohan, but all of a sudden now you're seeing... A little more in the scoring, a little more in the rebounding, a little more in the assists, a little more in the defensive stats. And then, when, you know, in situations like this, and apologies, there are a lot of fits and starts. The magic of recorded media, uh, I've had about four family interruptions in the show so far, and we're only, what, three, four names into the thing? All right, we'll get through this. Uh, is that with Sohan, if it sticks, you don't want to be on the wrong side of it. You don't want to be in the well, we waited too long camp, which I'll admit I'm in that camp regularly because there's a lot of guys out there where we're like, look, we know enough about this dude to know this isn't going to stick. Like there was a Mason Plumley two-week heater earlier this year and everybody was yelling at me on social media. And I was like, guys, you know what's going to happen with this dude. And then sure enough, he went back and he had a couple slow weeks. And then he had a warm week and then he had two slow weeks. And it's been the same kind of thing. And it's uh, frankly kind of the same thing with Malik Beasley when that team is healthy. There's these guys where we know enough about what they do to not buy into a one or two week stretch and say, oh, this is the moment. Instead, and I guess it's kind of what's going on with KCP also, although I, I still think we can tie his to the gravity of the players around him. With Sohan, we don't have that. We don't have that portfolio is what we've called it on this show before. We don't have the portfolio to look back and point and say, oh, well, this is what this guy's going to settle into. He could settle into something new and special because he's super young and we don't really know his fantasy profile yet. So add him. I threw Landry Shamit in the ads, even though he's technically more of an injury replacement for Devin Booker, but if Booker's out a month, then you can just call him kind of a long stream at this point. I, I think maybe there's... We almost need a new category, because he's an injury stream, uh, but it's a super long-term one, and, and guys like Trey Murphy could fall into that, and we thought Slomo was going to fall into that, but I keep calling him Shlomo. But Shlomo... Shlomo... <laughs> Oh, my God. Uncle Shlomo, uh, he's been hurt for two weeks, so that hasn't exactly panned out. But these guys that are long-term, pretty straightforward fill-ins, they need a different bucket. They need a different bucket. Because me referring to Trey Murphy as an injury replacement pissed off all kinds of people. And I was like, look, I just, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be startable when Brandon Ingram comes back. I personally don't think so, but that kind of doesn't matter for the way that we're cataloging him. And it's the same thing with Landry Shamit. I don't think he's going to have value when guys come back. Anybody, really. Cam Johnson comes back, I think Landry Shamit is not a value at that point. Uh, Booker, obviously he won't. But until that time, you just play him for a while here. I don't know what the hell happened to Cam Johnson. So call Landry Shamit a long stream, whatever the hell you wanted. I'm putting him in the ads department because 
he's a cut above a typical injury replacement because you have that longevity. The power of not having to worry about a roster spot for three or four weeks. It is valuable. It's quantifiably valuable. Daniel Gafford, next name on the board. I really like what we've seen out of him here lately. The Wizards have gone to bigger lineups, and they've had success with it. They've actually won three ball games in a row. They spanked the Suns. Now, there was a little bit of a back-to-back situation at play there, but the Wiz were on a back-to-back as well. They were at home. They had that little boost. But Daniel Gafford getting 25 minutes in that one, and he's been over 20 minutes in five of his last six ball games, and he's been, quite frankly, startable over this stretch. Number 87 over the last week in 21 minutes per ball game, while shooting, mind you, an unsustainably high 81% from the field, but also only 4.8 rebounds over that stretch. That's a number that could actually tick up towards six. I like the blocks with Gafford. He's always around one and a half in whatever you want to call those non-starters minutes, but heavy bench minutes. Now he's slotting in and he's getting starts. I think he's a guy you got to add. I did in a lot of spots. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. Maybe they push him back to the bench and they push his minutes back down into the 11 to 18 range. But right now he's in the 19 to 27 range, somewhere in between there. Typically around 21 is where he's been falling, but there's been a few big ones. And that'll push the average up with it. Like the last ball game, 25 minutes, 14 and 8 with three blocks. That's a terrific fantasy line for a center. Especially when you consider the fact that he's actually not a bad foul shooter. He's not going to lift the boats with his foul shooting, but this is a guy who's not horrendous. He's like around 70 when you roll it all together. And then I wanted to get one more name in the ads department, although I'll admit this one is a little bit more of a reach than the others, and that is Hornets' big man backup. You know where I'm going. Mark Williams. And I really only put him on this board here because he was the rookie that the uh, the Hoopball Sports Ethos pros talked me into going into fan or reality draft season. So back in June, this is, remember, we talked to William Harris on the pod. We talked to David Williams on the pod. And they were like, look, this Mark Williams cat, he's a big man who has all the tools And then all of a sudden, Nick Richards went down. Mark got a shot. He's been fantastic. Had a huge game on Thursday. Is he going to see enough playing time consistently? Probably not, because he's still a young guy. But if this team, if anything should become of Mason Plumlee, if he gets hurt, if the Hornets decide that everything is out of reach at this point, I don't think that's happening anytime all that soon, because as bad as they are, they're still only six and a half games out of a play-in spot. So... They'll keep fighting a little bit longer. But, mind you, Charlotte's not good. <laughs> They're not good. Um, they've been a smidge better lately with LaMelo Ball back. But if at some point they're just like, you know what, like, pull the plug. Mark Williams getting medium-sized minutes would be a freaking truck coming down the road. He had 17 and 13 with two steals and two blocks and a perfect seven for seven from the field on Thursday night. Do I actually think you need to add him right now? Uh, Probably not. But if you did, just to see how it was going, I don't think I would fault you for it. I mean, he looked amazing in that game on Thursday. He has four blocks in his three fill-in games. He has five steals in his three fill-in games. 
He has 21 rebounds. I mean, is this is this the kind of thing we could get out of him? Nick Richards was technically available for this ball game on Thursday and did not play. So, what do we make of it? I don't know. If you're in a dynasty or keeper format, I think that's a spot where you probably want to make the the plunge a little bit quicker. That's where you can, I say, go out on a limb a little bit, but that's where you can kind of, again, get out in front of it. And, man, I mean, if that if that sticks, that's that's a that's an amazing thing that's possibly blossoming there. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, it's not, uh, it's not a set in stone thing, but I do think that it's something you ought to consider. All right, let's transition into the drops now. And these ones probably don't need quite as long of an explanation. Nick Batum is the first drop. I've been really excited about him lately. Uh, but he was dealing with something in this, in the Clippers loss to the Celtics on Thursday night. He left, he came back, he left, he came back. He only played eight minutes. So something was obviously wrong. Uh, Reggie Jackson also had some stuff going on. It's possible maybe they were dealing with an illness. There's colds and RSVs and flus. They're going through every one of these locker rooms. Maybe we find out that's what's up, but I totally get it. If you're on a head-to-head side, that's not someone you can hang on to. If you're on the Roto side, I would put him on the bench until we get a little bit more information on what the hell happened. Because that's a dude that's been in all of their most important lineups, and he just... He just had nothing in the tank in this one. I don't get it. So I put him in the drop, but honestly, again, like, maybe you put him in the hold and wait until you find out what happened. Whatever. Call it what you want. It's hard to make this so so black and white. There's a lot of gray in where you put these guys. Victor Oladipo, I'm calling a drop. I just, like, he's going to get steals, but I don't think that's something that you need to have play every single ball game he's not a rest of season guy he's a plug-and-play guy and uh he's not gonna play in back-to-backs so it doesn't even really make sense on the schedule side mo wagner who's gonna be suspended for a couple of ball games and then also is about to not get to play because wendell carter jr is back so wagner who had been kind of a long stream lately so i i suppose that means he needs to show up on these lists he doesn't need to be on your rosters anymore Royce Williams, uh, Royce Williams. Royce Williams has been out of the league for a while because he couldn't get on a plane. Royce O'Neal, I think, is droppable, mostly because I think he's a schedule stream level play. The steals, the blocks, the assists, the rebounds have gone away. Right now, over the last three, four ball games, he's been kind of floating his value with a really hot three-point shooting stretch. But that's not the reason that I wanted him to begin with. I wanted him more as a punt points kind of play. With the boards, the assists, the steals, the blocks. If those are gone, I mean, like, I'll go I'll go start freaking Gary Trent and Tim Hardaway Jr. over Royce O'Neal if I'm just hunting three-pointers. And then I put Larry Nance Jr. in the drops department, but it's really just a where-you-can't-stash kind of drop because he's hurt again. Uh, Pelicans media is talking about kind of shutting him down for a week or two just to get him right because he was dealing with the... the uh, the leg stuff now he's dealing with the neck stuff and it's all just too much for my sweet sweet larry i i'm gonna stash him in my roto spots because he's just an absolutely brilliant punt points play and you guys know how often i end up kind of accidentally punting points but also not totally accidentally punting points otherwise um otherwise you can probably move on so i get it i get it 
is sort of where that one comes out. Holds. I made the mistake of titling this category Tough Holds last week, and, and people on Twitter were not having it. They were like, what are you talking about? It's not tough to hold that guy. Like, guys, relax. Tough Holds still meant hold. Good gravy. I only put tough there because I thought it, just calling them holds, I don't really feel like it made sense. When I call someone a hold, I'm referring to someone who maybe has been slightly underperforming of late, and so you need a podcaster or a social media maven to come out and say something like, hey man, don't panic, you can still hold this dude. And so that's why I put those names in this thing. So then I called it tough holds because I was like, all right, this is like it's tougher to hold on to some of these guys. But people were just so mad about that title. Anyway, got rid of the word tough. Just calling them holds again this week. My bad, everyone. I didn't think you were going to care. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a hold. Uh, they're a better ball game against Houston. He had the big one against the Lakers over on Christmas. He had a slower one against the Knicks. I don't think that anybody's really clamoring to drop right now because he's scoring a lot and guys like that typically get a longer leash in fantasy sports but his other categories have been bad his free throw shooting has been weirdly low lately we knew the field goal percent was going to be a ding um and so i thought that for those folks that were paying attention to that stuff they needed the little kick in the pants say you know what hang on here he's been pretty good most of the time and i'm telling you know head-to-head leagues you play him where you play him roto i've been kind of using him against pastry defenses and that's working out a hell of a lot better benched him against the knicks great played him against the lakers played him against the rockets much better bull bull is still a hold and you guys are gonna kill me for this one but whatever i don't care i i believe that he's a hold well first of all the magic are gonna have their team suspended so you have an opportunity to get a juicy one or two out of bowl the suspension's taking an effect on a couple of different days, interestingly enough, so they have enough players to actually field a full roster. But regardless, Bull's one of the dudes who's not suspended, along with Markel Fultz, Paolo Boncaro, Franz Wagner. Those guys are going to have a field out there. But the reason I like Bull is because he's a good foul shooter. Field goal percent is decent. He gets points, boards, blocks. Not going to play 30 minutes a game anymore, but even in 24, 25 minutes a night, he can be in that 90-100 range, and I think you're going to see him getting dropped in spots. So I say hold on, because there is a little bit of upside built in there, even if he doesn't get to it. He also has a pretty nice floor, provided Jonathan Isaac doesn't randomly appear, which he still might, but I think most of us are starting to believe that Jonathan Isaac doesn't exist. And I don't have any reason to believe that he does. It's just like a hologram of him, of him on the Magic Bench. They're showing on the TV broadcast. It's like the green banner behind home plate at baseball games. They can just make Jonathan Isaac appear there, too. I put Killian Hayes in the holds department, but I got to tell you guys, and, and you probably picked up on this in the way I've talked about him on the show, I'm not that high on Killian. I know that he's just sort of quietly floating along as the Cade Cunningham rest-of-season fill-in. But even when he's playing relatively well, he's still more of like a 125-140 range dude because he doesn't hit many three-pointers. Both of his percentages are bad, and his turnovers are not all that great either. He's mostly just some points and largely just assists, which in my eyes isn't enough. At least with a guy like Markel Fultz, who we've been kind of back and forth on at times on the podcast, the assists, the steals have been consistently high for Fultz, 
We're seeing some of the other stuff with him. Field goal percent has actually been a little bit better lately for Markell. Doesn't hit any three-pointers either. Turnovers are high. Free throw percent is low. I mean, he's outside the top 150 over the last month too. But at least if Fultz has a, a good week or two, he can pull it up pretty quick. With Hayes, I, whatever. He's still a hold. I, I just, I don't know. I don't think that he ever puts together like a two-month span where he's 90 or better. So I'm not that excited about him. In a way, that with someone like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who maybe somebody dropped him because he hasn't been quite as exciting, with the Hawks getting closer to healthy again, you definitely need to hang on there. And then Walker Kessler is one that probably needs more explanation. His minutes are going to trend down a little bit with Kelly Olenek back. But we saw it in the last one. He played 20 minutes, still blocked three shots. That free throw percent is super annoying. But I love the field goal percent. He pretty much exclusively dunks. His rebounding is solid. He'll get you six to seven boards in 20 minutes. Probably two blocks still. Those things alone are enough to float his value. And then there again, there's upside built in. If they ever, if Utah ever pivots away from competition, because they have been, you know, kind of bad after their their hot start. Not bad, bad, but just like pretty consistently losing a little more than they're winning after their hot start. Is it time to take a few L's? Because he's a guy they could plug in there if they ever shut down any of the old dudes. It's not happening immediately. I just, Kessler's going to be good enough in the short term, and then there's hope for some sort of additional stuff built in over the long term. The watch list this week includes DeLon Wright, who is a steals monster, but doing almost nothing else. My question, and the reason he's on the watch list is, do his minutes go up at all? I don't think so. Uh, but maybe they get into the low 20s, at which point you'd have to at least give him a look because, again, he's a, an absolute monster on the steals category. He's going to get you some assists, kind of running things off the bench. I just, I, I don't, I don't really believe there's going to be enough usage overall to get him there. Just steals alone is a really nice starting point that can get him to, like, top... 130, 140 range, but there just there has to be one, one and a half other things to get him up and over that hump. So he's a maybe, but not quite. I'm throwing Rui Hachimura on the watch list. He's had some really good scoring games. I think he probably ends up being an option, at least on the schedule stream side, if you're hunting points, basically. Points leagues, he probably makes some sense. Nine cat leagues where you're just where you're actually like going for a well-rounded fantasy line. I don't think there's enough to to maintain it. And then Bradley Beal's been in and out of the lineup all season long, and right now Hachimura is a guy that is taking full advantage of that by getting a bunch of extra shots. So there's a little bit of an injury replacement thing going on with Rui. There is a he's actually just like not a terrible basketball player thing going on with Rui. And so again, that's why he's on the watch list because I don't think anybody's racing out to grab him in front of you. And the last name on the watch list is Contavious Caldwell-Pope, which doesn't even make any sense. He's not a watch list guy. He's a guy who runs hot and cold. And he's a player that I think you can start when the Nuggets are healthy. And we talked about it at a decent amount of time on yesterday's show, why KCP needs as many gravity players around him as humanly possible. On a team that plays really fast, then there's still just enough for him on the offensive side to complement the fact that he's a very good foul shooter, he's a good steals guy, he's going to rack up three-pointers, you just need there to be enough three-point shots, enough slashing attempts for him 
to get him up and over that hurdle. And the defense just needs to be not paying attention to him, which they can pay attention to him when it's just Jokic out there. He's not... KCP is a decent basketball player, but he's not good enough offensively to be like the number two option on the Nuggets. He needs to be the fourth or fifth option. And by being that on a team that moves the ball that well, he's just going to be wide open all the time. Let's get into some buys and sells here at the end of our weekend review portion before we pivot into looking ahead towards the weekend. Oh, this one hurts, but I'm throwing him back out there again after yet another disastrous shooting game, and that's Terry Rozier, who... I mean, we did a whole segment on him earlier this week. If you want the explanation on Rozier, you can just go back to that podcast. He simply can't be this bad all season long. The steals are gone. The three-point shooting is disastrous. The two-point shooting is disastrous. The turnovers are too high. It's all a mess, but it just can't be this bad forever. He can't be this bad all season long, can he? Well, luckily, right now, you can get him for pretty cheap. So that's the reason he gets on the board here. Desmond Bain is the other name on the list. He uh, had a better ball game against Toronto, so that's going to make it a bit tougher. He had 16-5-4 with a couple of steals and three three-pointers, but he did foul out in 28 minutes, and they're still kind of working his playing time back up where it's going to be. Bain is a top 25 guy at full tilt, and I'm guessing a lot of folks forgot about that because he's been out for so long. But before he went down... He was number 23. That doesn't mean give up the number 23 player for him. It means try to give up someone who's close to where he is now, which is like top 50 range. Maybe you could get him for like a Devin Vassell or Brandon Ingram, who may never play again at this rate, or a a Jeremy Grant or crap, even like a Mikhail Bridges who's back. And he's a little bit of a buy low also, like Clint Capella, Tobias Harris. These are guys that Bain is likely going to pass as he gets his minutes back up to where they need to be and where he gets his, his legs underneath him, and the steals will come around as well. We'll do a little bit of work on social on the Desmond Bain front. I don't know exactly how cheap you can get him, but I'm guessing it's cheaper than he is going to be. Sells. Aaron Gordon. I feel like that's a relatively simple and straightforward one. I actually like what he's done this year. He's shooting 61% from the field on 11 shots per ball game, and that's actually become the biggest single influencer on his fantasy value but for him playing alongside Jokic has been all he needed he doesn't need the gravity around him that KCP needs because Gordon has a little more offensive game than Pope does so put him with Jokic his efficiency numbers go up but he's not going to get the same number of shots as he does when everybody's out when everybody's back it's it's His number works the way you'd expect. As a bunch of high-usage guys get re-added to the mix, his number of shots go down. Even though with KCP, he's going to take like seven shots regardless, or sometimes more when he's even wider open. With with KCP, his shots just get more and more easy. (laughs) With Gordon, yeah, maybe they get a little bit easier, but the number goes down. Tyrese Maxey is a sell, which is just the craziest thing that Dan could ever say, I know, when he's due to come back tonight. So why would I say something so harebrained and idiotic? It's a great question. Well, because his value right now is actually pretty darn high. 
it's kind of hard to picture, but people are not treating, and, and some online polling that we did in other trade scenarios bore this out. The... Uh, it's not that Maxi's value is maxed out right now. Because if he comes back and he's really, really, really good, then there will be a point down the line where maybe you could have gotten more for him. But he's still being treated like the guy that was drafted at, you know, 55 or 60. He's not being treated like the guy who was top 80 before he got hurt. Because his percentages suffered a little bit. Mind you, those probably do come up a tad. I don't think he stays in the 80 range. He's being treated as the guy who was drafted at 55 or 60. So now that he's coming back, people are no longer afraid to trade for him. There isn't the fear of, oh, well, when is this injury going to subside? When will he play again? Everybody's got the, the great word. The good word is Max, he's back. But they're going to go easy on him. He's not going to get... He was playing 36 minutes a game before he got hurt. He's not going to be up to 36 minutes a game until at least, I would think, January 12th to 15th range. Be pretty surprised if it was before that. Maybe it does. He's young, so perhaps, but there's sort of no reason to push him all that hard. Philly's actually been playing really good basketball. They're 8-2 in their last 10. They did finally recently take a loss, but they're up and out of the play-in tournament spot, so they're in fine shape. They got no reason to over-push him. So if you really are thinking that Maxi does get back to that 55-60 range that you drafted him, you're talking about still another two to three weeks probably of waiting before you get that iteration of him. But it seems like, based on what the polls are showing, how he's valued by the general public, folks are treating him like he's just going to be that guy again. So if you can go out there and you can get someone in the, I don't know, 65 range for Tyrese Maxey, you probably do it. You know, Michael Porter Jr., who's number 68 and also probably set to trend up and already playing plenty of minutes. Now, I get it. There's a lot of, and, and quite a lot, actually, of injury risk associated with MPJ, but, you know, he's a name you could put on the board there. Anthony Simons is a name who's been trending the wrong way, admittedly, but he's in the mix there. Uh... Who else did we see in some of the polls that was sort of an interesting match for him? Uh, Christian Wood, who's been trending that way, and someone we've been talking about, like, could you get a top 60 player for him? Well, yeah, it kind of goes the other way too here, and he's already ramped up and playing. I think Wood is actually a sell. He's another name on this list where I think I'd aim for someone in the 50 range and see if you could get it. But if you can get him and then flip him, great, even better. Because he's hot. He's playing big minutes. Maxi Kleba's out until the end of time. So, you know, enjoy it. Why do I say sell Christian Wood? Well, again, right now, he's in a really good spot. He's on a heater. He's on a blocked shot bender, the likes of which he's really never had before. Uh, he's overall just doing better things. He's got good opponents right now. As evidenced by the fact that Dwight Powell had 19 and 6 with a couple of blocks in a near perfect game, also. Uh, so that's helpful. The Mavs' offense is rolling. And again, no Dorian Finney Smith, no Maxi Kleba. The front court is wide open. That's like 50 minutes that just got shoved right out of the way. Have you guys happened to notice that most of those 50 minutes have gone to guys that were already playing 
minutes for the Mavs, more Christian Wood, more Dwight Powell, and a little bit of Davis Bertans. That's really... And then Reggie Bullock really picked up the bulk of it. He went from like 20 to 35. But it's mostly guys that already had minutes. So Wood, he's become more of a secure 30-minute... He was in foul trouble, but, you know, again, who cares? He was working quickly in that game against the Rockets. More Dwight Powell, more Wood, more Bullock. Because no Dorian Finney-Smith and because no Maxi Kleba. We're not going to do the injury replacements on this podcast. There's just too many again, and they, they change too much before the afternoon. So this is the pivot point of the show where we go to the weekend. Let's talk about the weekend, everybody. We got to do all 30 teams, and let's see if we can do all 30 teams in about five minutes. You think we can do it? I think we can because we've already talked about a lot of this stuff in the the uh, the rest of the lists. A lot of these players that we're looking at are guys that are on the, the different boards we just went through. Washington at Orlando. That starts off the weekend of games. Orlando's going to be without half of their team, so yeah, there's a lot of injury replacement stuff going on there that we could talk about. But on the Washington side, it's largely Daniel Gafford is the guy to keep an eye on. Bradley Beal is a game-time decision, so that makes anybody else kind of difficult to rely upon. Phoenix, cut down to the prime. It's mostly Torrey Craig, if you ask me. He'll be better in this one. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. But they also need a big game out of Chris Paul if they're going to be competitive. With Toronto, uh, Freddie Van Fleet dealing with back spasms. He did not play on Thursday. He'll likely be a bit of a game-time decision on Friday, I would imagine. It has been actually good for Gary Trent. I keep getting these Malachi Flynn questions, but I absolutely hate his percentages, and I just cannot get behind a guy who's bad at both percentages. He's a points league option, yeah, but that's about as far as that extends. Lakers. Uh, A lot of guys on the injury report for that Lakers game coming up later on today. We'll see. I would assume LeBron is playing, but, you know, you never know. They badly need help. Lakers need to swing a giant trade. Or just pull the plug. Because right now, it's just can LeBron pass Kareem. That's the only thing going on. This team is just hoping to luck into some wins. Although, I won't pick on them too much. They actually could have won that game in Miami if they weren't playing straight-up drunk with the basketball. So we'll see. I'll start LeBron. I'll start Thomas Bryant. That's about as far as I go with that one. Over on the Atlanta side, Trey Young is back to being probable. So I don't think you want to venture too far into the weeds other than the Onyeka Okungwu stream while Clint Capella remains out. Detroit, they'll have a couple of guys out for this ballgame. Alec Burks, probably a very short-term fill-in. Maybe Sadiq Bey becomes a short-term fill-in. It's unclear. I'm probably not taking the Detroit plunge. I kind of think I'd rather just watch one, other than the fact that we've been thoroughly enjoying the Jalen Duran experience so far. Chicago, nothing. Minnesota, Nas Reed. He's been amazing lately. Actually, you know what? He should have probably been on one of our boards. I don't know where. Because he's not a direct stream, necessarily. If Kyle Anderson comes back, he'll probably play limited minutes. Does that impact Nas? And that's probably the main focal point of what we're tracking in Minnesota. Milwaukee, they've not been playing as well lately, not surprisingly, because they're missing their key guys. No Drew Holiday uh, in the last one. He's doubtful for this one. Middleton is still out. Bucks have actually lost four games in a row. Yikes. Can you trust any of their streamers? You couldn't in the last one. So why would I do it in this one? 
seems an insane prospect. Philly, we talked about Tyreek Maxey already, but I think a lot of people are going to put the panic button on DeAnthony Melton, and they shouldn't. Melton probably continues to start for at least one more ball game. We'll see, I guess, what they want to do with Maxey, whether he's starting in, or coming off the bench. His minutes are going to be limited, so Melton should be very much okay in the in the immediate term. And then we saw it at the very beginning of the season when Philly was healthy. It took Melton about three or four games to figure out what his role was with that bench unit, and then he started to look really good there, and then Harden got hurt, and he had to sort of refigure things out with the starters. But I'm not, to wor- I'm not worried about him at all. He'll find a way to value, because he's just damn good. Pelicans, uh, they might get Herb Jones back for this one, so slowly but surely they're adding bodies back into the mix. Herb was a very good fill-in prior to coming down with illness. Uh, I think he was a COVID one. I can't remember who on the team had COVID and who didn't. I think Herb was a COVID. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a little bit less for Trey Murphy, but he'll be fine. Herb is a start if he plays and and has no minute restriction. And then, you know, with Nance, we talked about earlier in the program, just if you can squat on him, I would do it. If you're in a head-to-head league and you need that IL spot for something else, I totally get it. But it does mean good things for Jonas Valanciunas, especially here against Embiid. They're going to need him. Miami. Eh, nothing really. Really nothing. Denver, it just comes down to who's playing. We've already talked about what you do in each scenario there. Portland, nothing. Golden State, Dante DiVincenzo is kind of the guy to keep an eye on. Maybe Andrew Wiggins gets back in the mix here early next week. I believe he's already been listed as doubtful for this ball game, so... You should be able to replicate what we saw in the last one. Utah. You can keep an eye on Walker Kessler if you want. I still think he's going to be fine. I feel pretty confident about it, actually. But otherwise, you know, I don't think Malik Beasley has enough left with everybody back in the mix. I like the fact that Mike Conley's been doing a little bit more. But it's not really something that I'm watching actively. And then with Sacramento, Sabonis is back in there. So there kind of really isn't much to track with that team anyway. Turn to Saturday. Clippers are in Indiana. We'll, we'll keep an eye on Neesmith and Zubats, I guess. One, one player on each side here. I kind of want to keep track of Norman Powell for the Clippers also. Uh, he's been better lately. He's been very efficient. He's just getting up tons of shots. And he played 31 minutes off the bench in their loss in Boston. Some of that, I do believe, uh, was because of the whatever's going on with Nick Batum that we haven't gotten a ton of clarity on. But I think Norman Powell's a guy that needs to be on rosters right now because it seems like the Clippers are kind of leaning into him a little bit more now than they did earlier in the season. So get him in the mix. Get a little Norm in your life. Probably should have thrown him in one of our departments from earlier. You know what? Screw it. I'll throw Norman Powell. Retroactive placement on the ads list for Big Norm. Knicks, they're all about whether or not Jalen Brunson's playing. Beyond that, uh, Grimes is locked in. I mean, I'll put, I'll throw him back on the ads list if you want, but that'll be the third week in a row he's on there, so that feels somewhat redundant. Houston, nothing. Dallas, nothing really. I mean, Christian Wood, Tim Hardaway Jr. against a bad defense here in the Spurs. This feels like a good matchup for them. And Hardaway, that's where I'm starting him. Spurs, Keldon Johnson finally had a good shooting ball game. It was, it was crazy. It was... I don't know what it was. I don't even know what to say. He wasn't, he was quite good. He scored 30 points and he did it efficiently. Who do I have to thank for this one? The Lords of Mean Reversion, I hope. Oh, boy. 
Um, Jakob Pertl's minutes are back up. That's good news also. He played 28 and a half on Thursday, so he's pretty much back at full tilt. And uh, then you're watching Sohan. That's the other one there. Cleveland, nothing. We already talked Chicago. Brooklyn, nothing really. I mean, unless you wanted to try. Oh, you know what? That's a, that's a lie. TJ Warren should have been on our watch list from earlier in the show. So I'm going to retroactively throw him on there as well. TJ Warren is a watch list name. Royce O'Neal, you can kind of watch list, but I don't know that it's entirely necessary. We've gone over my five-minute assessment here. I tried. I almost got it done. Charlotte, uh, Mark Williams. Watching Mark. Watching Rozier. What's wrong with you, Terry? What's going on, man? <sighs> What's happened to you? Detroit, we'll see who's filling in for the uh, suspended fellows. Minnesota, we already talked about Nas Reed, uh, slow-mo, that type of stuff. Philly, we already talked about what's going on there. Uh, Oklahoma City, a lot of guys out for the Thunder right now. I've been sort of kicking back and forth on whether or not I want to retake the plunge into the roulette wheel. And if I did... It would be Jalen Williams, but I still don't know if I'm going to bother. New Orleans, we talked about. Memphis, nothing really going on there. Miami, no. Utah, no. And who's not playing over the weekend? There's actually a couple of teams, I think, that don't play or that didn't play at any of these three days. But whatever. If that's the case, it doesn't really matter because we'll talk about them on Monday. Uh, Sacramento, nothing. Memphis, nothing. We talked about them. Boston, nothing. Time Lord's coming, baby. Oh, my God. This show's about to just turn into the Time Lord slobber hour every single, well, every other day, I guess, whenever they play ball games. 12-6 and six on Thursday, stealing a block and a perfect 4-for-4 four four at both the free throw line and from the field. Oh, I love the Time Lord stuff. <laughs> oh, Denver, Washington, Milwaukee. Yeah, Daniel Gafford is the guy you're tracking in Washington, along with little taste of uh, Rui Hachimura watch list as well. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. My voice is tired because it really had only been back for like half a day before we got deep into the podcast this week. I had to yell over family members yelling. So now I'm just going to go into a strong whisper the rest of the night. I'm Dan Vesperus, promo free Friday. I hope you love it because I did it for you. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Vesperus. Follow sportsethos.com on Twitter at ethos fantasy bk have a delightful weekend and it just occurs to me as we get to the end of the podcast that our next show will be in the year 2023 thank you guys for making 2022 the most listened to year in the history of fantasy nba today let's do it again in 2023 happy new year everyone we'll talk to you monday 